Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Billy from Rusty Creations over in England who specializes in artwork made from horseshoes. He talks about his varied past from being a shepherd to playing cricket, then making a career change into welding. We talk about the learning challenges he faced with no colleges offering the class to finish his diploma, how he started creating art, how he sources his material, and a bit about how he promotes his artwork as well as getting commissions for public works. Do you want to tell everyone who you are, what you do, and where you're based out of? My name's Billy. I'm from Essex in England, in the UK, and I do metal art. I was diving through. You do a lot with horseshoes. So how did Uh, that come about? When I first started welding, I I started evening class in late 2017, just as a change of switch of career, because I was fed up with working. So I was doing an evening class, and then I saw a couple of wine racks made from horseshoes and I thought I have several I have three or four friends of farriers oh, so really? they have an airlet supply of shoes so <laughs> I yeah so I what I do I went to a I got 10 horseshoes from them and went on Pinterest googled a quick idea found a really basic simple reindeer that's really effective and thought I'll give that a go just to test my newly welding skills out and made a simple reindeer and Went from there, really. And then over Christmas, I sold a few, then set up my little business, Rusty Creations. And then the whole thing just kept snowballing. And then five years later, I'm just making big stuff out of horseshoes. I was looking through all the different fire pits, the sculptures. Like, there's all these different things that you're just making out of horseshoes, which I think is really cool. Because the welding world creates a lot of waste when it comes to material. Like a lot of just like small little odds and ends that get cut off and metal that is essentially waste in most people's eyes and turn it into something brand new. It always really makes me, I have a big envy of doing that. I want to do it. My my artistic brain does not match up that way though. A lot of times I can't see it in my mind's eye. I feel like that's what it takes when you want to become a sculptor. So you got to have that mind's eye to see exactly what you want in the end. But How does your process work? Like when you go, do you come up with a plan or do you just roll with it and see what comes out of it? Every now and then when I'm, because I still only do this uh, part-time. So when I'm actually in my day job welding properly, I do tend to daydream quite a lot. I'll think of the next kind of, the next big project I want to make out of horseshoes. A quick example would be about four months ago, I was just, I was looking outside and so it's about autumn time, fall, 
So how that's I think that's what you call it, isn't it? Fall. Yeah. And there's a there's an acorn on the floor. I thought, oh, I'd love to scale this up out of horseshoes and create like a giant acorn, just because I think it'll work really well. So, uh, so in my head, I, I map it out how I'm going to use the horseshoe. In this instance, I like double skinned them, double layered them. It'll create more of a solid effect, so you can't see it's a horseshoe from a distance. But the closer you get, the more you can see, ah, oh, it's just like layered horseshoes. So that's how my process works, really. I'll just daydream, have an idea, and then go and do it, go and crack on. And you said your day job, you're a welder in the daytime too? Yeah, so I work, at the moment I work for a company who make just car transport trailers, really, just reading from drawings, just a bit of heavy fabrication type work. Yeah, just more of a production type thing. Okay. I know the industry is a little bit different overseas there. What is the steps to becoming a welder where you're located at? Are there special certifications you got to get or does that come through your work? I think this is probably a bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky area really, because I, when I switched career, I wanted to sit down at college and become the best welder I could. So I done that, got my qualifications. And then one one friend gave me some advice and said, never forget anything you learn at college, which I haven't to this day. But then you don't really, where I work now, you don't really need qualifications to work at. They could get anyone off the street and teach them their way of doing it, even though it might be the wrong way. There's, it's more quantity over quality, which is something I despise, but... I can't really complain when they're paying my bills at the moment. Yeah, it's hard that a lot of people run into that. I've heard in the welding world, they'll work somewhere and not really see eye to eye with their employer, but their employer is still the person paying their bills. So they're just like, I when I get yeah, out of here. Yeah. What were you doing before you got into welding? So I, don't, oh, I had so many jobs. So before I started welding, I was making bricks by hand in like one of the last places in the country that make handmade bricks. A few years before that, I was a shepherd. So I was looking after lambs. You have had a very, a bit, like a very vast background. What else? There's got to be crazier things. I was good. I was pretty good at a cricket. So obviously a big English sport. I was pretty good at that. So I was, so I'd done a couple of summers in Australia. So I played cricket out there for a bit, not professionally, and done a bit of farming out there as well. So a bit of back and forth between the two countries for a bit. Yeah, so it's been a busy few years. Yeah. Busy te last <laughs> 10 or 20 years. Yeah, I, my, I've been down the same kind of pathway. Like, I was a musician, but when you're a musician, you're always something else. So I was like bartending, bar back. I, was, I always worked in bars or venues and stuff like that. It's very funny because then you get into welding and it's a very stable field. If you want to weld, there's so many jobs out there. Is it the same over there? Yeah, I'd say so. It's obviously where I work, production lie. We make one sort of thing. But then obviously there's still the artistic route you can go down. And then the more of the clean welding, say, oh, what do you call it? Like in the pharmaceutical industry where you're making like... Food grade stuff, like stainless steel and all that fun stuff. Stainless steel sort of stuff. Yeah, food grade stuff. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so it's still varies all over the place and obviously if you wanted to work on oil north sea offshore rig i'm pretty sure you can do underwater welding there so it's still it's still the jobs are still there if you find it and these days probably in this country is there's more welding jobs than there are welders because no one wants to do it yeah because in school they won't you'll go through your whole education they, and they probably won't even mention the word welding so it's uh yeah so like half half the people don't even know what it is 
Yeah. That's that sort of thing. We're very the same over here. There's lots of jobs, not a lot of welders, and not a lot of people that want to go into it. And it's crazy because like as soon as you start learning how to weld, I don't know if it was the same for you, but like the first time I struck an arc, I was just like, yep, yep, this is what I should have been doing my whole life. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I love everything about it, especially first the first burn you got. You always remember the first burn. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it and I can't look back and I'm so happy I chose to do it and it's an amazing thing. I wish more people would get into it because it's such a highly skilled job that you can take pride in when you do it properly. Oh, yeah. And what drew you to the sculpting aspect? Was it just wanted to have a creative outlet or was it just, I want to start my own thing? So I think I've always been quite artistic. Uh, always like drawing stuff, like rearranging with like objects, every room objects just to create something, even though it wasn't permanent. And I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to put a load of scrap together and make something, make a sculpture? So this is years before I started welding. I always had that in my mind. So I reckon as soon as I started welding, that sort of that idea came out came out of my mind and then I saw some horseshoes and it's just gone from there really. So when you went to school, like what was your school experience like? When I was welding. Yeah, like when you went to learn how to weld, like what was the school process like for you? So it's it was okay. I mean, I started learning when I was twenty seven. So I was I enrolled in an evening class, probably a bit like yourself, like an evening class type thing. So the good thing is that everyone there wanted to be there, wanted to learn how to weld. So we had a good good connection between the group. So it was, it was quite basic. We learned what to do, learned the theory side, but it was so poorly run with opportunities that I only I've didn't manage to complete my final year because there was no college decided to run the course. So I've got like a level two, a level three, but I never completed my diploma, which is what I really wanted is that diploma. Just so I could say I've got a diploma. So I fell short for no fault of my own, which is pretty frustrating, but that's, it's just a, it's just a sort of problem around these days is no one wants to run it. That's wild. Like I've, I've actually, I've never heard, I know that it's very hard to get instructors into the welding world because Usually a welder is not wanting to take the teaching pay compared to a welding pay. And so it's hard to get people to come from industry to teach. But I've never heard of them. No, nobody's running that course. So you're just going to have to just be happy with what you got. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. And I've tried other I've tried other colleges around my local area as well, just because I want this diploma. But no one's running the course. So I'll give up. I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing. That just blows my mind. I don't know. I'm flabbergasted. I've never heard that before. (laughs) No, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. How can they offer, like, they offer, they're like, hey, you could come and pay to go to school and get this diploma. It's like, you're never going to actually be able to finish it because we don't actually teach that course anymore. That just, that's crazy. Yeah. I Uh, know. We're not going to run it anymore. So that's it. Get on with life. So... (laughs) When it comes to your sculptures and everything, how do you go about getting your name out there? Like, how have you grown awareness around your art? This is probably the hardest thing to do is get your name out there because when you're starting off making something cool, no one knows who you are. No one cares. So originally it was just through friends, just through sharing on Facebook. And then once I progress more into doing more commission work, more sculptural stuff, instead of wine racks, boot racks, all that sort of simple crafty type stuff it just went through word of mouth just try to share it to as many groups 
on Facebook as possible. Got a couple of friends to do some professional photographs and try and spam as many magazines as possible. I just spam as much as I could until someone either got back to me with a no or a yes. So I managed to get into a few magazines like that, a few newspapers. So it's getting there, but it's hard work to get your name out there. Just have to, don't be shy of contacting newspapers, a bit of publicity. Don't be shy in being the first one to make a move. Yeah. No no one's ever going to, the worst that someone's ever going to say to you is no, or we're going to have to pass. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I know I struggle with self-promotion a lot because I feel like most people have this intrusive thought. It's just like, what if someone doesn't like it? What if someone, I don't know, should I post this? I, I let that person win a lot of the times, but I'm trying to get better, trying to put more stuff out there. Yeah. You just got to go for it. Just go for it. That's all you have to do. All all I think to myself is, you'll probably know as a musician, half the people aren't going to like your music. Half the people are going to like your music. So yeah, it's what it is. When it comes to your sculptures too. So I saw a couple that, like the dog you did, that, what was that one made out of? I still wore horseshoes. Still? Dang. That's, you can't even tell that one's horseshoes. That's crazy. I know. So I've kind of, over the last few, I think over the last three years, I've tried to develop my own sort of style. So in this instance, I'd, I'd put the horseshoe in a forge, straighten every single bit of shoe. And then once the shoe's strained, you just got another piece of straight steel. So you can make whatever you want out of it. So I'd forge into the shape I want on the anvil, weld it in, fill all the gaps of welds, and then just use a grinder, flap disc as a, like a sculpting tool. But the way I like to describe it is if I had a lump of clay, I'm using my grinder as a knife just to sculpt the shape into it. Yeah, that's that's one of the techniques I use, which works pretty well in trying to get as much detail as possible on a piece. How long does it take you? Because I'm looking through your gallery right now on your website, like these pears, these apples, like these large sculptures, like how long does it typically take you to make these? Stuff like the pears, not so long because they, I'm not, adjusting the horseshoe's original shape mm-hmm. so they can all just cut the nails out and i could just you could just weld them together and i and for the base bit i've got a like a hemisphere former just like a big metal bowl so i can lay them inside that and then build up from there so as soon as you get past a certain point where the bowl finishes all the rest is by eye so no two will ever be the same because or no fruits ever are going to be the same. It's just, it's impossible to make two identical just because of different shoe sizes. The way the shoes might be welded together, it means the pair might come out slightly different to another pair. So that's the beauty in it, really. A little well, bit of variation. Do you have a difficult, because I'm guessing, like, I believe that horseshoes are made out of hardened steel instead of mild steel, correct? No, I think they're all mild steel. Oh, okay. Well, they are over here. So... It's, yes, it's no problem, really. Okay, yeah, because that was, like, the big thing. I was like, man, this must be tough. Because, <laughs> like, tool steel, hardened steel, it's no joke when you're trying to get that to break down and no move way. it. Yeah, so. <laughs> luckily it's all mild steel. Otherwise, whatever I'm trying to do would take probably three times as long. And then as far as I saw that anchor, that one was really cool. Was that just an idea that popped into your brain or did someone like commission you to do that? What was the idea behind that really cool anchor? I think it was a commission idea. Oh, I made this so many years ago now. Someone wanted a commission for a wedding gift and they lived near like a river that was full of boats and stuff. And I think they enjoyed boats. So I thought, why not? I'm going to make an anchor out of horseshoes. 
I went for it. This was before I had a forge as well. So every single shoe on that anchor has been just stuck in a vice and just beat the hell out of it with a hammer oh, until it bent in the right shape. <laughs> so but yeah, a... that, that, that forge was the best piece of equipment I ever brought. Well, in shifting gears towards the forge, like I've talked to a couple different people that are welders, but they got into blacksmithing or vice versa. Did you self-teach yourself about blacksmithing or was it just learning on the go? Yeah, it's learning on the go because obviously once I've made this anchor and a few other things where I needed to shape the horseshoe a lot more easily than I was doing. I needed, it's my friend's secondhand forge because obviously he's a farrier. So that's a farrier's forge. I just brought it off him. Yeah, so it was just the best thing I brought. It's made life so much easier. And I taught, just taught myself how to manipulate the horseshoe into how I want it. But if, say, if someone came up to me, like Fortune Fire style, and wanted an axe head, I'd have no idea what to do. Like, I can't do that. I'm not a proper blacksmith. I'd call myself a lazy blacksmith, probably because I just do everything wrong. If a blacksmith was to look at my technique, they'd probably give me a slap around the face, I'd imagine. <laughs> It's just yeah. a means to an end, right? It's like, this is just yeah, another tool yeah. in my belt. It might not be the prettiest tool, but it gets the job done. It works. That's the main thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Is your work on display anywhere? Have you done anything for like public places or is it more just like private sale commission type of stuff? Done a couple of pieces for public viewing where a little town nearby, I made a, like a soldier out of, I think it was six millimeter round bar. So this was probably my first non-horseshoe commission. I bent it all in shape to make it look like kind of wire. I wanted to make it look like barbed wire. So I achieved that. And that was a very popular piece, actually. It's probably a personal favorite of mine. So that's probably the best public commission piece I've done so far. But we're getting there. I'm just slowly trying to, just still trying to get my name out there where I can take on more and more public type work, which is my end goal. I love to make a big piece where everyone can see it. Everyone can take pictures of it. And just smile. I like making people smile. People need to smile more these days. I feel like everyone is in need of happiness and things that bring them joy. So that's awesome. That's your goal. It's not just something that would be cool. That's a goal of mine is to make people smile with my art. That's a good thing. As far as like your company, do you want to tell people a little bit about your company and where the name came from, all that kind of stuff? So I think I was just, I was sitting there around my girlfriend's family's house on Boxing Day, Boxing Day 2017. I was thinking, I was creating a Facebook page for what I was doing. I was thinking, what am I going to call this? What am I going to call this project, this little company I've made of? And I don't know how I thought of it. It just came into my head, Rusty Creations UK. I thought, oh, that flowed quite well. And luckily, no one had taken a username. So got that locked in and didn't look back. I've dropped the UK now because I want it to go worldwide. But mm. yeah, that was it. Rusty Creations was born. My little logo here is just, uh, it's just, a, I've done it on a doodle app on a, on the iPhone with my finger because I wanted it to look like a, a two-year-old had done it just for a laugh. <laughs> That's one way to do a logo. I like it. It looks Absolutely. very clean too. So do you stick yeah. weld everything then? Is no, that... it's all MIG. It's all MIG. Okay. Yeah. But obviously if I've got a couple of projects come out where I need to probably do it outside. So I will turn to stick to do those projects. Yeah. And in your job, like day to day, like what is your like main process you use? So it's all MIG, it's all MIG welding. And when you went to school though, did you do MIG, stick and TIG or was it just MIG, stick? We had quite a strange thing where our our first year we had to pick two of the three welding processes and a fabrication unit. So instead of picking MIG, because I thought 
MIG's the easiest one to learn. So I went with stick and TIG for the whole time I was at college. I just learned MIG myself, really. I just learned how to do it through maybe watching the YouTube video. But uh, yeah. Yeah, MIG, well, it gets a bad rap. I feel like everyone is always like in the welding world, they always talk down about MIG welding. I'm like, do you use this more than anything else? It's like when we fabricate, it's quick. It's like, it's quick, easy. Like why, why does everybody have to just downplay it? We all use it. I use MIG in my art because it's a really good at just filling in spaces. If Mm. I want to quickly lay something over the top, it's so handy just as just applying material to anything really. So it's probably my number one tool when creating my artwork because it's just so convenient. Because obviously if I was using stick, I'd have to knock the slag off, TIG, I've got to get everything set up. Everything has to be clean. So can't beat a bit of MIG welding, big dirty old MIG. Yeah. As someone said it to me in the past, they're like, yeah, it's like a hot glue gun. And are you going to do arts and crafts with a hot glue gun? Or are you going to do it with precisely placing a little dab of glue each time every speck of the weld you want to do? It's no, you're going to use a hot glue gun because if you mess it up, you're not going to be so upset because it took you 15 minutes to TIG weld that out. Absolutely. And you can always grind it off. Yeah. And as far as like the rusty creations, the material that you're using, is it rusty already or are you rusting it afterwards? So when I pick a, say a big buckload up from a couple of farriers, they usually, if they kept it undercover, it's not that rusty. So it's quite nice to work with. But if they are, if it is rusty, I can still weld it together. That's probably, again, the other beauty of MIG is you can technically weld over rust. If you just get it, if you just blast it in, you can just get away with it. (laughs) <laughs> Burn it out, just get away with it. So yes, and then I will rust it afterwards with a bit of salt and vinegar or a brick acid type sort of stuff just to progress the rust a bit more. And like the white vinegar, hydrogen peroxide and salt, like that, it works so fast. Like it's just like that's immediately. A, yeah, that's the greatest combination. That's, oh, I love that combination. Yeah. You're going to rust something in an hour. Yeah. That's the way you're going to do it. <laughs> Maybe with a little bit of heat as well. Oh uh, yeah. I see. I didn't know the heat aspect of it. I didn't know if you heat it, it'll actually pit it out. So if you wanted to get that kind of texture, you spray that on and then hit it with a heat gun and it'll start just eating out little craters. Finishing metal is very fascinating to me. I'm not going to say I'm really great at it, but I like trying different things out just because. Yeah, I can't really say I'm a great at it because I only ever do one color. That's rust. Hey, so (laughs) many colors in one. It's It's never the same one. It's like your sculptures. It's never going to be the same. No, absolutely. It will take on their own different colors and shapes. And so then in the welding world, so over here, we talked about the shortage of welders and surplus of work. Like, where do you see, like in in the UK, like what is the industry like right now? Is there a big move to automation? Like over here in the US, there's a bunch of automation that's happening, like people using robots, cobots, like all these different processes to just speed up workflows and make up for the jobs that people don't want to do, like production lines, all that kind of stuff. I think robots are slowly taking over and say the bigger sort of factories, because they can obviously be set up to do one simple line of world or a couple of line of worlds that sort of stuff so yeah i think robots are probably annoyingly are probably the way forward but people can't complain because that's at the end of the day that's only the human's fault for not promoting welding enough yeah and that's the fault for not doing it so if you're not if you're not going to do the job then they're going to have to create technology to do the job for you quite simply got to progress somehow yeah 
That's been like just the craziest conversation. I talk to people all the time about how welding has just been suffering for years and years, but it is so instrumental to everyday life. There's nothing really you go, like a lot of your food. You wouldn't have it without welding because of all the equipment that's made and all of your technology. There's welds in there. There's just so much that goes into it. And it just blows my mind that we've gotten to a place in society where everyone like the number one conversation I have with people in the welding industry is, man, I wish we had welders. You know, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, uh, no, I, I totally agree. You look at it and it's like you're seeing any room. Something in your room's been welded by human, or nowadays a robot. But uh, yeah, I'm looking right. I'm looking right now. I've got a, like a log burner, and that's been welded. So someone's welded that. So again, they needed a welder to make that. Yes, oh. welding's everywhere in our life. I talked to a guy named Anthony Fields from over in Ireland when he was at Fabtech, and he was telling me about how when he was in school if you said you wanted to go and do an apprenticeship or go get into the trades like your teachers were just kind of like okay we're not gonna worry about him anymore then because they're just gonna go be a tradesperson and it was looked down upon is it kind of the same in the uk too I'd, yeah i'd probably say so but i think the school over here is just geared up to make you learn as much as possible to get into university and do a degree i think that's all that's what school's geared up to do here. Yeah, it doesn't make any, it really doesn't make any sense because they're like having a skilled trade is probably so much better than having a, a degree in something pointless that let's face it, they're probably never going to get a job in. So you might as well go to a trade school, learn a decent trade, whether it be carpentry, plumbing, electricians, welding. There's such a shortage of every single trade that it's going to be there's so much of a demand for it. But I wish people would just do it. You don't have to go to university to be successful. It's a myth. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And even to get into welding, like there's been a lot of bad press, I would say, on welding in general. Like people think it's super dangerous. They think that it's like it's just the dirtiest job out there. It's Yeah, you'll get dirty. And yeah, there are dangerous aspects to it. To start doing like what you're doing, like making sculptures and stuff. If someone wanted to make a small sculpture out of a couple of different horseshoes, they could get the idea fairly quickly. It's not going to take them forever to learn how to MIG weld, but people still think it's impossible. It just, it blows my mind. There's a lot of things that blow my mind about the welding world right now. Yeah, same here. Anyone could like, and if anyone's listening now and you were always wanted to weld, just go down to your local shop, buy like a 90 amp stick welder or something, and you could stick a couple of horseshoes together, make someone a wine rack, make someone a little, a, like a small reindeer, and you'll feel like you achieved something at the end of it. But, and the smile on your face, when you see the smile on their face, will just stay with you for the rest of the day. And that's, that's the number one thing about it. Just have a... Have fun doing it. That's great advice. I usually ask people to give advice to people getting into the career or anything, but I feel like we should focus on trying to get people into it in general. <laughs> that is great advice. So if you've never welded, just try it. Over here, there's a lot of things called maker spaces. I don't know if you have things like that out there, but it's a co like a co-op space where there's one here in the city I live in where there's a metal shop that has a welding area, but it also has like milling machines, lathes, and then there's a wood shop, there's a textile shop, but you pay a membership and you can have access to all these different places. Is there like things like that out in the UK that people have access to? So all of this is in like the same building. Yeah. Oh, my, that's incredible. 
No, I've never ever heard of anything like that over oh, here. Come on that's over, just, man. That... They're everywhere out here. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so handy for, say, people who don't have... If people lived in a flat, you've got nowhere to work. It's What a fantastic idea. I, I haven't heard of anything out here like that, but obviously there might be, and I might be wrong. I don't get out a lot, so I'm sorry if there is. I've never heard of them. Where do you work out of? Do you work out of your house? Do you have a place you go and work out of? Or... No, I'm quite lucky that the local farmer lets me use a little bit of a barn to work in. Nice. Yeah, I could work out there. And yeah, so I'm hoping that, so this year, hopefully move into a slightly bigger workshop where I can work on bigger commissions piece and stuff like that, go bigger, go bolder, go bigger. And yeah, that's the plan. And one thing that I did have a question about, when you are welding these horseshoes together, like what kind of amperage are you running oh, or voltage, God, I've I guess? Got such an, I've got such an old welder that I don't actually know the amperage, the voltage. It's just one of those step machines with oh, okay. no, no digital display. Oh, God. You're running think, pretty hot, I'm guessing? Yeah, because I've only got a single phase welder. So yeah, I think I think the welder I've got is 210 amps. So I'm pr almost maxing that out. Dang. Okay. So I'd say probably about 200 amps, something like that, Dang. just as hot as possible because you're not going to get much distortion. And obviously with a horseshoe, if you're welding two horseshoes together, you only got a tiny, you only got a tiny surface area to weld. So the hotter the better, really, when it comes to welding horseshoes. Because that was like my big question about it is I know a lot of times, like there's been things that I've tried to do like rebar stuff in the past and I can't get the penetration I need. So it's like, just yeah. keep cranking it up until you get that. But or you could just pre if you've got a blowtorch, you preheat it a bit and then that obviously like help with the penetration. Was that what you were using before you had the forge? Were you like pr were you heating up this metal when you were trying to straighten it out? Or was it just like I, pure force? I, before I had the forge, I, there was no way I could straighten a horseshoe. So anything I made, I didn't use straight horseshoes. So the, the horseshoes would be in the original shape, but I might so say if that's the horseshoe there. That's the horseshoe there. I might bend. I can only bend them like forward like that. Okay. Like, there's no way I could bend them out straight because oh, I, need, okay. I just need heat to do it. Yeah. So I had to work away. I had to find ways of working around using straight pieces of metal. You got to work with what you got. Stepping stones. Exactly, yeah. 100%. <laughs> what do you do outside of welding? Guys, says you weld during the day, and then do you just go immediately and start working on stuff afterwards? Or what kind of stuff do you get into? Looks like gaming. I'm just guessing. So looks like oh, yeah. a gamer head headset. Oh, cool, yeah. Oh, in the evening when when I've got nothing to do, I, I do sit and game a little bit on this laptop. But I'm not a serious gamer, I wouldn't say. Generally, just I used to play cricket, but now I've retired because I want to focus more on making my artwork bigger. I'm just trying to get promote myself more. So I'm just pretty much spending all my free time trying to make Rusty Creation successful. So eventually, I could do it full time. So then I could free up time to do cool stuff, other stuff. That doesn't awesome. involve welding every single day. <laughs> oh, I've got the world.com app and I love it. It's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, so thumbs up on that. Thanks. I think it's awesome. And we're developing something new that will actually benefit you specifically. We're going to be having a marketplace so people can either sell equipment and stuff like that, but you can actually sell artwork on the app. So people will have a direct, what do I want to look at? Welding stuff? Okay, here's the weld app and here's the marketplace. Here's all this art section. There's just machine sections and all that kind of stuff. So that might be a good way to just have a place to sell it. Because I don't know, do you use like eBay ever or Etsy and all that kind of stuff? 
No, I've got an Etsy page, but I've never sold anything on Etsy. I don't know what it is, so I don't bother. Uh, I was usually just Facebook Marketplace and just everyone just commenting on my page. That's and that's a couple of bits from the website. It's still website's a bit early days. It needs a bit of progression still, but it'll get there in the end. My uh, fiance is working on the website, so when she's got time, she can uh, update it every now and then. Yeah, no, it looks it's a good website. It's like you you have your gallery. The hairs are really crazy, man. What did you make those out of? Was that horseshoes still? Yeah, like everything on there is pretty much made out of horseshoes. That's like the hairs. The hairs. Are, so the hairs are still the same. Are the same style as the last dog I made. So again, okay. still all straight shoes, fill it full of welds, and then just blend it down with a grinder. So I only use like a just a normal grinder and a flat disc. Damn. That's all I use to do to do the sculpting. Most of my stuff, really. That's my favorite tool. I love a flap disc. I'm a big fan of the flap disc, too. I'm not a hard oh, rock guy. So good. No, <laughs> but, disc, like, these look cats. That's the crazy part about these. Is That's why I was wondering what the hairs were made out of, because it looks like you cast them, but that is really impressive. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it look like you don't know what it's made out of. So yeah. if, you were to, if you were to see one up front and go real close to it, the horseshoes have the grooves where the nails go in. I've left those in there. So if you were to go right up to it, say on the arms, you can still see where the like the nails, the nail holes are and stuff. So you can, it's like a witness mark. You can still see it's made from horseshoes, but from a distance, it looks like it's cast out of like cast iron or something like that. Yeah, it's quite a cool little technique. Yeah, that's. I think you're on the right track, man. And any way that we can try to help you along, I'm all about it because that's it is. Your work is awesome, and I'm going to definitely use your inspiration on make. I need to make a fire pit like this. Like, I really like the fire pits that I've seen you have that are just the horseshoes, like, in a kind of half circle. That's cool. Oh, if you go on if you go on YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel. I've only got five videos, but I've got a one where I make the fire pit. I've just time-lapsed it, so you can see the technique of what I've used, how I've used to make that fire pit. Is it Rusty Creations on there as well? Yeah. Making a horseshoe fire pit. Rusty Creations. Found it. Boom. Cool. Boom. You got a new subscriber. Yay. Yeah. I need to work on that. I've got to try and work on that channel more and make some cool stuff and actually do proper content. That's another aim for this year. Try and do, make, something, make some cool content. Make some massive stuff. But, yeah. Where can people find your art? So I'm on Facebook under Rusty Creations UK, on Instagram under Rusty underscore Creations, my website www.rustycreations.co.uk. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Well.com podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, shoot me a message on the Weld app and let me know what kind of topics or people you would like me to have on in future episodes. Also, if you're trying to score some new equipment and swag, every month there's a mystery box of surprises given away to a lucky premium member, so make sure you don't miss out. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.